You like documentaries like the behind the scenes and the in the making of documentaries on the DVDs and so on for James Bond? Well, today we're going to talk with someone intimately involved with some of those productions, Mark Cerulli. Mark was involved in the Goldfinger and Thunderball making of videos. You know, the documentaries on the special features discs for the movies. He's also produced, written, or directed similar videos for the Lion King and Halloween series. Hi, this is Dan and Tom of SpyMovieNavigator.com and our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. We are delighted to have Mark Cerulli here to discuss his work. Welcome, Mark. Hello. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Our We're pleasure. happy to have you here. Yeah. All right, Mark, we first got in touch with you initially because of your excellent documentary on, by design, the Joe Karoff story, which is available to subscribers of Max. Most of our audience, of course, won't know who Joe Karoff is, but you can let us know why spy movie fans need to know about Joe. That was a fabulous documentary. Well, thank you so much. I, uh, I always say he's the most famous graphic designer you've never heard of. And uh, uh, he's just a very low-key guy, but he had an unbelievable 50-year career uh, designing iconic film and TV logos. Um, the first big one he did was West Side Story, yes. uh, the original, not the remake. Yeah. And uh, then his friend uh, was the creative director at United Artists and said, hey, we have this spy movie coming up. Uh, we, need, we need a logo for a letterhead a publicity letterhead, what can you come up with? And he, he went and he came up with the original 007 logo. <laughs> so the double, the double O with the seven, that's the gun. Yes. Yes. He <laughs> said he went to the library. He studied the Walther PPK. And then, uh, he started drawing the, the two zeros and then the seven. And that suggested a gun to him, the seven. Wow. And he said, well, just beef up the, the base and beef up the barrel. And, there it is, history. The this fabulous logo that we all over the world know. Yeah, <laughs> Joe yeah. Karoff did. Yeah. It's funny if you look at it; it's changed a little over the years. Now yep. it's a little slimmer, but uh, uh, he did it. Yeah. He did it way back when, and then unbelievable. It's we had to cut it out of the documentary, but he also did the typeface for From Russia with Love, oh. Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, Diamonds Are Forever. Wow. 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 Yeah. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, he's been involved with some fabulous productions and logos mm -hmm. that people all over the world know about and don't know right. him. So yeah, hats off to Joe Karoff because he's yeah. got some fabulous stuff. 102 years old. He just turned 102. Okay. So when did you film the documentary? Yeah. Uh, okay. It was the process. So we started, uh, I live in LA, but originally I'm from New York and uh, I got to know Joe because my dad was in the advertising business and uh, uh, a friend of his said, oh, you like James Bond. You got to talk to this guy, Joe Karoff. And I met him and, you know, we became friends. And uh, finally I said, Joe, you've done so much. Let's do a documentary. And he was so humble about it. He said, well, I've got to think about it. Oh, man. And then he came back and said, yes. So we, my partner, uh, Paul Rosen, who owns a post house called Nitrous, uh, he and I, uh, we set up some interviews at Joe's beautiful apartment. And I went in there with a with a stack of all the logos that he had designed that, well, that I that I knew of that he had designed <laughs> because he was so prolific. 
Yeah. We finished the interviews and then I'd go back home and I'd, I go, Oh my God, he did this one. So the next time <laughs> I'd be in New York, I'd go over and I would shoot him on my iPhone, oh, uh, which is in, which is in the documentary. Yeah. But, um, it's fantastic. So we shot for about three days and then, uh, it just took, it took years because we hit a financial wall, you know, the shooting and the editing, we had that covered, but the documentary covers his un- unbelievable life, you know, growing up in the great depression, right. fighting in world war II, working in the Mad Men era yeah. and all that needed archival footage and images and, uh, probably about 40 some odd thousand dollars worth. And, wow. you know, yeah. we couldn't raise, we couldn't raise it. And then fortunately a friend of ours, uh, told, uh, Turner classic movies about it, about the documentary. They took a look at it and they got involved. They stepped up and they, uh, they gave us the finishing funds and awesome. uh, wow. helped us pick the music and everything. They've been great. They were a great partner on it. They really were. Yeah, that's terrific. Now, so how how old was he when you shot that? Because he's 102 now. He was about 35 when we started the document. No, um, he was. <laughs> he uh, I would say he was early 90s. Wow. wow. Early 90s. Yeah. Wow. Wow, yeah, he yeah. looks fantastic. He, yes. Oh, <laughs> Sounds um, fantastic. And sharp as a tack. Yeah. God bless yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to me, it kind of was like, okay, if he's if he's 102 now, this is probably 30-year-old footage, and you're telling me it's it, – that's, no, that's amazing. No, yeah, no. That's amazing. Fantastic. Now, I know he says it in the documentary, Mark, uh, but did Joe do well financially from this 007 logo? Does he have any control over it now? No. No, you know, it was a work for hire. He got, he said he got paid $300 in 1961. And in the documentary we had, uh, that translates to $2,000 today. Wow. But you know, it was a work for hire and, and, uh, it was so good. They've used it ever since. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. 60 years that's, for yeah. a few hundred. That's uh that, but it is amazing work. I mean, yeah. What a graphic artist yeah. that nobody I mean, knows. He did now the they Manhattan, do the Manhattan logo. Yeah, that's fantastic too. And uh, I think uh, he did um, Last Tango in Paris. Last right? Tango, yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> oh yeah. God. I mean, he came up with an original type font for that movie. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I think yeah. it's called Tango. Well, he'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. And uh, the the other thing was that he he created the Orion Pictures logo. Oh my wow. God! Yes, right, right. And right. so that's that. why Mike Metaboy is in our documentary, yeah. and that was—I'll tell you—that was like going to see, you know, The Godfather. I mean, you go in this guy's office, and it's lined with Oscar nominations yeah. and and a signed one sheet to Rocky, and it said to the guy who showed Rocky how to fight. <laughs> so I was already, I wasn't nervous already. I was really nervous by the time he came in, but he's a, he was wonderful. Really, really. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That, that's fantastic. I mean, he, and he's done, a, he's done more stuff. He did Olympic, the Olympic stuff for ABC, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. The yeah. Olympic ABC logo. News, the, uh, the Olympics. Oh, uh, yeah. There's just, it just kept going on and on and a great train robbery, rollerball. Yeah. I remember I saw he did rollerball. I'm like, okay, I've, I've got to go back and interview him about that, you know. Yeah. Yep. So if anybody okay. hasn't seen it, by design, the, the Joe Karoff story. story, you got to see yeah. it. It's really fantastic. Max or whatever they're calling themselves. Yeah, I think they're calling themselves Max yeah. now, yeah. Yes, so, yeah. All right, so now 
for us, then, fortunately, we got in touch with you because of that mm-hmm. and found more about your background. And we've got some James Bond stuff to talk to you about. But before we sure. do that, so I want to jump in here to remind our listeners to subscribe to our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies, if you want to hear more about spy movies. All right, let's keep going with the 007 theme. We've already found out who did the logo for 007. Now let's find out more about Mark. Mark, you were involved as either a writer or producer on the behind-the-scenes documentaries for both Goldfinger and Thunderball, two fabulous James Bond movies. How did you get involved with these documentaries? Well, that was uh, almost at the beginning of the DVD era. Uh, actually, it was before DVDs. This was, uh, they originally came out on VHS and, and, and Laserdisc. Wow. So oh. at that time, my partner, one of my partners on it, Lee Pfeiffer, knew someone at MGM, George Feltenstein. And he got us and John Cork, who was based in L.A., uh, he got us a meeting. And uh, unbelievably, Feltenstein said, yeah, okay, uh, Here's the money. Go do these documentaries. You, you'll have use of the Eon offices at Pinewood Studios in England. And so we went out there, and it was it was really magical. Uh, we were in the Eon offices. Uh, uh, you know, there's Cubby's desk. There's his parking sign. Uh, and that's where we did the bulk of the interviews out there. And, uh, you know, it turns out that uh, Shrublands from Thunderball was was down the street from right. Pinewood. Yes. Uh, yep. Tom and I have visited that. <laughs> yeah. And we, we went out to um, Leavesden because they were filming mm-hmm. uh, Goldeneye. Oh. And, uh, you know, we got to we got to interview Pierce Brosnan. Oh. Yeah. I mean, he was, you know, he just so great looking and he came out in the tuxedo. I'm like, Oh my God, this is James. Here he is. This is James Bond. Everyone says he's such a nice guy too, right? He was very nice. Very, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, uh, like a month or two ago, uh, you know, he's a very uh, talented artist and he had an exhibit of his paintings out here in Hollywood, uh, uh, West Hollywood. And I kept saying, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And finally I saw something. It's like last day was tomorrow. So I'm like, I'm going, we're going tomorrow. So my wife and I went over there and all of a sudden who's serving champagne at it, but Pierce Brosnan. No kidding. Oh. <laughs> so we had a chance to chat with him a little and, uh, yeah, you know. I looked, cool. looked at some of the artwork online and he's, he's talented. It's, oh, very talented. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it looked talented. really good. Yeah. So people now, should check you, that out. Yeah. If you're doing stuff at Eon, then I assume getting the archival footage wasn't a problem then. Like, no, you for that, pro- that project, not at all. No. All right, that's cool. Now, can you clear up something for me? Because something's got me a little confused. So when we talk to somebody, the first thing I do is I go to IMDb mm-hmm. and look the person up. And on IMDb, they have behind the scenes with Goldfinger or Thunderball. But then the title, when I look at the videos, is The Making Of. Yes. And I've also seen them up there as Inside Goldfinger or right. Thunderball. And then there's the thunder, the Goldfinger phenomenon, and the phenomenon. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, right. Those two are definitely different than these making ofs, but it sounds like there's three different names for those first two. Yeah, videos. there were multiple titles, and okay. uh, I, you know, once you do something, it's out of your hands, kind of. I think yeah. some of yeah. that was MGM marketing, but there were two documentaries for each one. It was right. the making of, and then the, the phenomenon, which was about the publicity and the, and yeah. the hoopla and that kind of thing. Okay. okay, and the, and you you pretty just as much did that as you know two big projects. Well, here's the Thunderball project, and here's the Goldfinger 
yeah. project and here's yeah. the before the making yeah, of it was like four of them four yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. two yeah. for okay. each yeah okay. oh, that's cool that's cool all right now we were wondering also mark was ian productions directly involved with these documentaries i see that they're acknowledged at the end of course of the in the credits but what role did they have and how was working with them if you had to work with them they were fantastic you know obviously this was the first doc behind the scenes documentaries so they were involved but their cooperation was amazing and they uh, obviously they gave us any kind of footage we had beautiful prints of the uh film to work with and uh they dug into the archives i remember it at one point i had theodore bikel's screen test for goldfinger (laughs) yeah yeah in my office at nice. HBO. I was I was nice. staffed at HBO at the time, and I just would look at it and go, oh, my yeah. God, do you know what that is? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, was in, it was in one of the one of the videos. Yeah, 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 yeah. it was in the yeah. Goldfinger. Uh, yeah. Right. Goldfinger, yeah. yeah. And were they hands-on while you were doing it, or did you no, say, here's all the stuff? No, alone, and I think they looked at it at the end, and, uh, you know, they, they approved it. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. That's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. All right, so one other thing that, because I look for stuff like this. So in the credits, there's Twine Entertainment as Mm -hmm. produced by. So was that you, you and Lee? Was that something else? That was a three-way partnership we had created to do these between uh, Lee and and John Cork and myself. Okay, Okay. all right. Because I I love that because that was years before the the movie, The World Is Not Enough, came out. So you're taking it out of, the novel, that was so years great. before everything. I mean, yeah, right. Before the internet, yeah. <laughs> pretty much, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah, That's pretty wild. Yeah, we we know John Cork and uh, Lee Pfeiffer was on a call with us with Stephen Rubin when we mm. did his international James Bond trivia contest. So all mm. great guys. Those are terrific. Yeah, yeah, terrific yeah. Films. And then they know, I mean, let me tell you, <laughs> I know a lot, but they know even more. You know, it's uh, just amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, they seem right. to be really good guys. All right, so so your credit is as writing the making of Goldfinger, mm-hmm. which is just phenomenal. I just love it. Like you say, you had Mikhail's, the screen test in there. Mm-hmm. How long did it take to write it? I mean, I assume once you got more archive footage, you had to go back and add stuff to it. And then how long did it take to actually film the, the interviews and stuff you did? Oh, yeah. boy. The, the writing of it didn't take that long, as I remember, you know, okay. a few days. And then I think I sent it, you know, we traded back and forth, John Cork and Lee and mm-hmm. made whatever changes. And uh, in terms of the interviews, we, we went out to Pinewood and uh, we had a great guy, Dave Worrell, who is the, the uh, one of the publishers of Cinema Retro. Okay. And he had organized everything like clockwork over there, like cars picking up people bringing them to Pinewood for the interviews. We went over with uh, Paul Scrabo and his wife, Georgianne. They're and, great. Uh, they oh, they are the great. Camera work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they're serious film people. They, yes. they love movies, you know, yep. and they did the camera. It was almost like a little family thing. And we, you know, we all did it together. And, and we had uh, in 1995, I think the British film industry was in a bit of a slowdown. So okay. Pinewood was not the bustling place that it is today. And we, you could walk anywhere, you know, mm-hmm. we walked around and day would be okay. The, the volcano was over there and that's the tank from Thunder. But I mean, you know, it's just, it was amazing. Those, those were the days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'd love to get in there. That would be fun. Yeah. We've not been yeah. into Pinewood studios. That would be. Well, nice. na- now it's a whole different experience oh. because yeah. once star Wars came in, yes, uh, it's like going into Fort Knox. I mean, you have yeah. to be badged in and out everywhere and yeah. it, it's different. 
Yeah, yeah. No, you met you mentioned Paul and Georgiana. I met them on a uh, we went on a tour with Matt Sherman, and mm-hmm. what a great couple. Yeah, they, yeah. They, and like you say, they do know their stuff. All right, so no, I have another question for you on the process of this because mm-hmm. on some of this, you're credited as producing. You've also got writing credits. Mm-hmm. Is there a point where you're sitting there saying, okay, now I'm writing and now I'm producing, or is it just kind of all meld together? How does, how does that work? In well, the, the writing kind of, you know, obviously took place beforehand. And uh-huh. then, but that was, you know, it's basically a template. It's, you know, a documentary can take on a bit of a life of its own, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the script is essentially a, just a kind of a, like a, a guidebook, but okay. you know, once you're in there and you're doing the interview and then you get in the edit room and, Oh, this would work better here. And, uh-huh. you know, and, uh, we edited them. Uh, we edited the Goldfingers in uh, New York at uh, HBO studios, you know, cause oh, I really? was staffed there. So I was able to get a, a deal on, uh, yes. on the room. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was great editing too. And, uh, yes. who decided at the very end of that one to end it with Sean Connery winking. Yeah, <laughs> that was terrific. Oh, man. Mm. Yeah, that was that was awesome. Yeah, that whoever was. thought of that, that was that was good stuff. I'd like yep. to say it was me, but it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're honest. That's cool. <laughs> so when the filming took place, and and John Cork directed the Goldfinger one, Thunderball ones, yeah, you know, and the Thunderball one, and the Goldfinger, and the Goldfinger, yeah. right? Yeah. And again, I you know we we've talked to John a bunch of times on the phone and so on. Mm. Uh, were you there for all of the filming as well, Mark? And and what, if anything, happened during the filming that perhaps you had to change or rework, like on the fly? That happened. I was there, you know, for the for the uh, in England when we when we shot all those. Uh, I'm trying to think uh, on the fly. Nothing jumps out of me. I remember. I remember one of the one of the things. You know, Pinewood has this great uh, dining room. Yeah. You know, wood paneled and I remember we broke and we went to lunch. We took Guy Hamilton to lunch because he oh. he flew in to give us the interview. You know? Wow. Yeah. And, and I'm, we're all sitting at a table and I look over and there's Dave Prouse, you know, and I'm like, my God, there's Darth <laughs> Vader. You know, it's just magical. It was magical to be there, you know. And then uh, uh, another time I was in the Eon offices and who comes in but Eunice Gason. Wow. Oh, wow. She was just, she lovely, lovely. You know, yeah, these people are, they're wonderful people, uh, especially the behind the scenes, you know, the people that actually, the technicians and stuff, you yes. know, that, that was just meeting those people and talking to them was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah we, I love, we would love to ahead, talk then. to more of the behind the scenes people because mm-hmm. I think that's what makes the movie magical, really. The yeah. work that is done behind the scenes that a lot of people don't ever see or know about. Right. You know? So well, back then it was it was all hands on. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, I remember we interviewed. I, I think the name was Bert Luxford. I think he was the guy under the the laser beam table, yes. with a blowtorch, <laughs> yeah. pulling it up. You know, and he had a chalk mark where you don't go any farther, you're going to hit Sean Connery. And I mean, you know. Yeah, put that on your job description. Yeah. Well, and, and, and and all the stuff in there. John Steers talking about the the explosion and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, it's fascinating when you see when you see all that stuff. Yeah, again, we we love Guy Hamilton's uh, concept mm-hmm. at the end where he said we're going to take you places, show beautiful girls, yes. have suspense and some laughs. <laughs> but he says, yeah. but let's enjoy. I think that's yeah. fantastic, and we think that the making of Goldfinger feature 
is exactly that. It's, it's all of that and, and more. It's beautifully written, filmed, and choreographed to make it fun and informative to watch. So if you haven't seen it yet, you got to see it. It's fantastic. And Patrick McNee's narration. Yes. yes. He, is, uh, he is awesome. Uh, just to hear that voice, right? The voice you, is you, like, you couldn't get any talent to do that? Come on. It's like velvet. <laughs> yeah. And that was all John Cork. He handled all those sessions out in L.A. I was still in New York at the time, and he okay. did a great job. So there are some great stories in this feature that fans mm. of Goldfinger would love to hear. And so how much direction did you get from John Cork or either Ian Productions during the writing process. And you mentioned Ian didn't kind of was hands off after a while. Did you have yeah, no, more they, interaction with John? Yeah. I mean, he, he, uh, I remember sending him a, a, a script and he said, mind if I make some notes? I'm like, no, go ahead. You know, <laughs> Sounds uh, like John. <laughs> uh, Ian had uh, sent us uh, call sheets to the films. And so that way, you know, you could tell when they did things, Oh, nice! you know, and that, that was super interesting to see those. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We we're going to ask you what was the most interesting part of bringing this feature to the small screen. And I bet that was great to see all the call, the, the call sheets and anything else, any other things like that, that you, that you well, remember? just, just being with those people, you yeah. know, being, being in the Eon offices, I mean, there's Cubby's desk, you know, and you just sit there and you go, my God, the deals that were made in this uh, room and, and the, 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 the uh, careers that were, were born in this room. I mean, George you know, Lazenby fooling them <laughs> in that room. George Lazenby fooling them to be probably. Fun. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, he's a, he's a whole other story. George Lazenby. Yes. I know him. I know him Do out you? here and he's, oh, yeah. he's a great, he's a great guy. I mean, a real character, but you know, uh, one of the most authentic people I've ever met. Yeah. I mean, oh, we would love to talk only, to George, even for 10 minutes. Yeah. 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 That's fantastic. Yeah. He, he yeah. was, he was a good bond. We liked the, the dimension yeah. he brought to bond and, and wish he would have done that more. was his first movie. Yes. Yeah, he carried it off. He did. Absolutely. I think he did. And I think he did it well, and he would have been yes. a good bond in, in subsequent movies. I think he would have been great. Would have been oh, for one sure. People yeah. talked about. So, yeah. All right. That's cool. So I'm going to go back into, we talked a little bit about this, but I want to dive into this a little bit more. You've got the archival footage that you're getting, and you said you had no problem getting that stuff from Eon. Mm. But figuring out what goes in and what doesn't make it in, because, I mean, mm. I'm sure you probably showed less than one, you know, less than 10% of the archival stuff that really you could have. So mm. how, do you, how do you figure out what, what makes it in? Is it just because of the story or what? Yeah, I mean, uh, the story kind of drives it and then, uh, you know, and what you have to work with, you know, now Lee has an insane collection of stills, you know, from the Bond films. And plus, you know, the fan community that that we know, you put the word out, hey, we're looking for anything from this sequence or that. People have incredible things, you know. That makes that and then that makes the because there were a lot of credits for. James Bond fan groups yes, mm-hmm. in, in there. And I, so that you were getting some of the stuff from them as well. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's cool. I, I look at that thing. It's like, where the hell did they get all that stuff? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just amazing when you yeah. see what people have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, James Bond is a phenomenon. Like you said, it, yeah. it, it really isn't just a trend of this or that. I mean, it's a phenomenon and it's a worldwide phenomenon, which is unreal. 
when you, when you talk to these people and we interact with them all the time on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that, mm. the passion that these folks have for James Bond yeah. is just incredible. Yeah, so, yeah. Awesome. I mean, it really—it's one of those things where it, it, it touches it it touches you. You know, I yeah. mean, I remember being a kid growing up in New York City, and my dad took me to one of those double features, and I was I was sold after that. You know. Uh, and then, and then I, you know, Diamonds Are Forever was the first new Bond movie I saw, and it's, to this day, it's one of my favorite films. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Even the bad Bond movies are great, and people have different mm -hmm. opinions on what's bad, what's yeah. good. I like Diamonds Are Forever as well. Yeah, yeah. and I uh, don't find it bad. I mean, you no, know, I, I don't either. Okay, Vegas is cheesy, but what are you going to do? That's where it was set. And... <laughs> it is cheesy. Yeah. It's a lot more cheesy now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, what was, what was funny is the first time I went to Vegas was the late '90s, and of course I went to the the uh, the Hilton, which mm -hmm. which was the White House. Yeah. Uh, yes. And I said to the the first staffer I saw, "Where's the Starlight Lounge?" And she looked at me like I had three heads. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's funny. Good. Let's jump into the, a little bit into the Goldfinger phenomenon. And on that one, there's no writer credited. So was that you? Did you guys all work together on that? Or you know, I'm trying to think. I I believe so. I think that's, okay. You know, that's how that worked because that was about the publicity and and that kind of thing. And again, that's where all the people went into their collections. And hey, we have this and that. Yeah, you know, just yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember there was a photo of people planning the New York premiere at a, re you know, just two people sitting in a restaurant. It's like, who has that? But somebody had it. Yeah. That's great. Archive. Yeah. yeah, really. All right. So, so let's switch then into the th more into the Thunderball stuff here. Mm -hmm. And one, one thing that had me kind of piqued my interest is you brought up the copyright issues with that movie and the novel and mm -hmm. you have archival footage with Jack Whittingham and Kevin McClory in there. So, and I thought that was great. Yeah. Did you have, did Eon Productions or MGM or Fleming Publications, and did anybody try to shape how much of that you talked about? I don't think so. I don't, awesome. I mean, John was uh, really, you know, Thunderball was his baby, but I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, again, we really, it was pretty much hands off and we, you know, I, they trusted us, you know, they knew yeah. that we were serious fans and we weren't, you know, we were going to really, go all out on this and and that's what we did awesome yeah 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 that's uh and it's a fact so you're you're dealing with the facts there and people need mm -hmm. to know the facts and i i think that was right. a it was well done in the documentary yeah and, yeah. and obviously uh to point that's great mm -hmm. so is there anything you found out in making these documentaries mark where it didn't kind of make the final cut or you wanted something in there that didn't get in there and that the audience might find Interesting. Oh, man. I'm, I'm trying to think. Uh, well, I remember in the making of Goldfinger, I think we ended with Pierce Brosnan talking about how he saw the film as a wee laddie in, in Ireland. And that was at the end. And I'm like, no, this is, we gotta, we gotta open with this, but I was overruled, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, that would have been good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think other facts and I think it pretty much most of what we came up with was were, was in the documentary. I mean, you yeah. know, we wanted to put it all out there, mm -hmm. you know. And did you have a time um, limit we, for that? Did you have like, oh, it's got to yeah, be a certain oh, amount? Yeah, there was. Yeah, we, you had a we had a certain amount of time, and then we had to deliver it. And mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, you were always aware of that pressure. And know? the length no, of the documentary, I mean, too. That. Oh, uh, yes. I think there was something where it could only be. They were both 27 minutes. Yes, yes. So, so it couldn't the, be 30 minutes. Okay. You know, I think there was, I know there was a reason for that, but I just can't recall it. Yeah. Probably if they were going to put it on TV or how much they could fit on a DVD or VHS right. at that time. Yeah. So now, yeah. Now, again, I, I love, I love looking at these and what these folks say in these documentaries because it, it is so insightful. And if you dig into it a little bit, it's so deep. Like I loved what Ken Adams said at the, in the end of the, or in the making of Thunderball piece, he said, I found that whatever I design, someone in the world was able to realize these designs to make them practical. And he was yeah. so excited about that. I mean, this must have gotten his creative juices just flowing, right? Can you talk about a little bit about the brilliance of Ken Adams? Yeah, I mean, oh, he's so my. genuine in the making of a piece. Well, you know, and, we, we, uh, Paul and I flew up to Toronto because he was, he was doing a movie up there, and yeah. we went to this gorgeous apartment, and uh, we... Uh, yeah. We interviewed him, and uh, you can tell the man is a genius, you know. Yes. And uh, uh, yeah, we just—it's—it's uh, it's hard to put into words how 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 smart he was, you know. And so and his wife was a firebrand, you know, Letizia, I believe her name was. <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Uh, and they would sometimes they would figure, no, you can't say that, you know. <laughs> it, was, you know it was just great. It was really, really a great experience. And every once in a while, I would write to him, you know, before obviously before he passed. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, he always acknowledged. He was always, you know. Yeah, he seemed such a, like a humble guy, but he's got this brilliant talent, and that I love yeah. seeing his sketches of the yes. uh, of the sets when he's doing it and think, Oh my God, just to think like he thinks it must've been a thrill to talk to him and sit down to, to uh, come. I remember the, the room where Goldfinger has the other gangsters and he's talking about his plans. He called that the rumpus room. room. Only, only, you know, (laughs) someone like Ken Adam would be, but that, yes, it was the rumpus room, you know? Yes. Uh, but, I've got to say, as great as the sets for Goldfinger were, yes. to digress just a tiny bit, the volcano crater from You Only Live Twice, I don't mm-hmm. think has ever been equaled and will never be equaled. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, you know, just on a level way above, yeah. I think. That yeah. was fabulous. And I think there was like a million dollars just for that. Yes. Set. He had a mil- <laughs> How much do you think it'll cost? A million dollars. Okay, you got it. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that was just a fantastic set. Yeah, yeah. it is hard to rival that. The, I, I guess if you got a million dollars for a set, you might be able to do something with it, especially back yeah. then. Especially in 1967. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was yeah, a lot exactly. of money. Oh, my god! Exactly. Right. So, so now in making these things, you know, we've got the footage of all the different locations and stuff. Have you gotten to many of those? Because you were you were kind of locked up at Eon working on this, so you weren't mm-hmm. out traversing, seeing these things. Is this is that a passion of yours to go see where these things were made? Yeah, whenever I mean, uh, we we were just in vaca- on vacation in the Bahamas with some friends, and uh, okay. I had always wanted to see the locations, but I, I hadn't. But this time, I made a point of reaching out to the people that own Palmyra oh, and. Nice. Uh, getting on the Atlantis resort to see the seawall that bond uh, jumps off of. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So I finally, finally did that. And for the, the one sad thing was uh, love beach 
is no longer the way it was. You know, they, mm-hmm. it got hit by a hurricane, I heard. And also now there's development. Yeah, there's yeah. Uh, houses that are built there. So, yeah, yeah right, right. The Kiss Kiss Club is different. Yeah, right? the long That's, gone. Yeah, long yeah. gone. Yeah. 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 But it's cool. Tom and I love to go to um, the filming locations we've been yeah. around. I was just visiting my daughter in New York uh, last week and. Mm-hmm. Uh, she lives in Brooklyn now, but I, I forced her to take me to a couple of Bond locations uh, from Live and Let Die there. <laughs> the oh, old, old voodoo place. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Yeah, I, I, I've been there. And, and the Philly uh, The best is in uh, uh, Tokyo. Uh, yeah. I have a, a great friend in, in, in uh, Japan, uh, Makoto, and he, you know, serious Bond fan. And he took me to a couple of the locations, including the alley that connery walks down in the ginza in the yeah, beginning yeah, of the movie yeah. mm-hmm. and i i would go there i i went there at least twice during our our va- and i'm just photographing every inch of it yeah. and people are walking by going it's an alley there's a vending but what are you doing <laughs> yeah and i was What's photographing every inch of it yeah. i know tom and i were in rabada national park in portugal where the where Tracy gets killed in on her Majesty's yes, Secret Service. Yeah. We're on that road and we're doing the same thing. We're doing video and, and taking millions of pictures and cars are driving by looking at us like, what are they taking a picture of a yes. corner for? <laughs> right. A curve in a road. It's like, what? <laughs> I went on uh, Martin uh, Mulder's uh, uh, Oh, yeah, tour. he's a great guy. Yeah, and uh, that was the last stop. And it was just an incredible, incredible yes. location. And then what made it even better was when the Portuguese Highway Patrol Pulled up and said, "Get out, get it, you know, because we're on, we're on that road. Yeah, we're right, it's dangerous. Yeah. And we're all taking photos of the guardrails. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and those granite ones are the same as from the movie. They put yeah. they put the metal one in now, but the granite one, and we found the one that's on an angle, so we found exactly where the car was. So that was good. Oh my yeah. God! All right, we're oh, yeah, we get to go crazy back there, the three of us, because yeah. I missed that. But uh... <laughs> yeah, Dan, Dan's a stickler for you've got to be in the exact." inch of where everything was well so. that's what i was trying to do that on love beach i was trying to yeah. find the palm tree and my mm-hmm. wife you know it was 100 degrees my wife's like we're getting out of here now okay, <laughs> okay. we know that yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. anyway so it's, it's always it's, fun it is and it's good to talk to somebody who's a bond fan about the bond stuff especially since you worked on those documentaries yeah, now, fantastic. You've, all, you've also worked on two other series of do, you know, documentaries on two other series. You've done Halloween and you've done the Lion King documentaries, yeah. right? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. the Lion King. Uh, my so my wife was the chief marketing officer of Technicolor. Okay. And I began. You know, I did that video uh, for them. So it was basically about uh, Technicolor's involvement in, okay. in the Lion King. It wasn't yeah. like the official. Oh okay. Uh, yeah yeah. But if I could just mention one project that I did for them, it was their hundred year anniversary video. And the, the gift of that was getting to meet uh, Olivia de Havilland. Oh, wow. (laughs) And that, you know, I said, I said, we let's talk to the last surviving cast member of your biggest artistic triumph gone with the wind. And sure enough, somebody knew somebody who knew her. Oh my God. And so we were going to go to Paris to see her. And we were the day before we left, her assistant called and said, Oh, you know, she's having second thoughts. She doesn't want to do it. And uh, we said, look, we're already booked. Let's just go meet her and talk to her. And so we we stayed in her hotel. We spent three days just chatting with her. And by the end, it's like, oh, yes, whatever you need. And she's just, just a wonderful lady. And, uh, awesome. you know, we were friends with her until she passed. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. fantastic. What a great really opportunity. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's great. Then, um, 
What did you do for Halloween? Yeah, Halloween. Well, that was a, that was a project, and this very rare. That's probably the only time it happened. Uh, it dropped into my lap. I was at a. a in those days, Cinemax used to cover horror conventions, mm-hmm. and so I was at a Hammer horror convention in uh, Maryland, and Anchor Bay had a a booth set up because they they were releasing the Hammer films back then. And uh, their uh, head of acquisitions, Jay Douglas, who was a wonderful man, he said, oh, "You ever hear about Halloween?" I'm like, "Of course, I love that movie." He goes, "You want to do a documentary?" Yes. <laughs> So they basically handed me the budget. I think it was 20,000 bucks. And I, you know, through HBO, I knew camera people. And Mm -hmm. so I got a great camera guy and, and, uh, with all the gear and, and Troncus pictures let us use their production office in uh, century city. And so same thing. We just had whoever we could get to come in and that's how we did that one. Awesome. Now you're doing something now, right? With area 5150. Yes, Tell us about yes. that. Uh, that's, uh, well, you know, uh, one of my longtime uh, desires was to, to actually write screenplays. And yeah. I've written a bunch and gotten, gotten some wonderful rejections. But uh, <laughs> uh, brutal business, man. Oh, it is. It, it is. That's got to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've heard no more ways than, uh, <laughs> than you can count. But. I met this uh, very uh, terrific uh, young director, uh, Sean Heights, and uh, we met at the Three from Hell premiere. Okay. And he was wearing a T-shirt that said Dracula. I'm like, oh, I love Dracula. <laughs> and anyway, we, we had breakfast, and we, we were both uh, Area 51 freaks, and, and mm-hmm. we're all interested in aliens. And so we, we wrote the script together, and he directed it. And uh, we wound up uh, getting Vernon Wells, the actor from The Road Warrior, uh, who played uh, th- that crazy biker. We got him. He told one funny story, you know, because obviously you're sitting next to someone like that. You want to pull out a few stories. And uh, he said, well, <laughs> Mel said that they knew it was getting cold when my butt cheeks would turn purple. Apparently <laughs> <laughs> so it gets cold out there in the... Uh, <laughs> in the middle of the outback. And we put a young cast, a young cast of uh, people in, in, uh, in LA, including myself. I played a role oh, and, wow. uh, Felissa Rose, oh, okay. she's, uh, one of our stars in the film. And she's, you know, she's, uh, uh just an icon in, in the horror field. And, uh, yeah. she was lovely to work with. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's coming together. We're still, we're still about, we're trying to finish it and we're hoping to get it out, uh, uh hoping to get it out next year. Yeah. Okay. So, so I get, I get the area 51 part, but what's the 50? <laughs> well, 5150 is the police code for an insane person. Oh, okay. So, All right. I, and I was that. coming All up right. with these names like paradise ranch or dreamland. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and right. Sean said area 5150. And I'm like, brilliant. That's it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's Thanks true. for clarifying. I was confused, but now I get it. Now that that's cool. Yeah. That yeah. is cool. But it's one. It's funny. It's be careful what you wish for, because yeah, I want to produce a movie, and I'm one of the producers, and it is tough. I mean, it's yeah. seventeen hour, fifteen hour days, and wow. you're, you're out in the desert, and it's hot during the day, and at night it's freezing. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. But hey, it's a, it's a big learning experience. Oh, I bet. Now, yeah. And you're doing this in the and part of the work is being done in the middle of the writer and actor strike. And now you said you're not part of the WGA, mm-hmm. but how is that? Is that affecting what you're trying to do? And I assume you've got friends in the industry. I mean, 
what is the effect of that strike right now? And we're recording this in the middle of September 2023. Uh, yeah, well, first of all, uh, our, our film was shot before any of this happened. Okay. You know, so, but yeah, I do know people. They're out on the picket lines. And, uh, you know, look, we're in a brave new world right now. Nobody knows how AI is going to go. And, uh, right, right. Uh, you know, there used to be the traditional income models. You had, mm-hmm. you know, theatrical, cable, right. DVD. Those were all great revenue streams. And now, you know, that's all changed. Yeah. You know, I'm hoping theatrical comes back. But, you know, very few movies get a theatrical release. You know, right. yeah. 20, 30 years ago, a movie like Area 5150, you know, would go out. They'd, they'd spend they'd spend a million on making it and then they'd spend 25 million promoting it. And, you know, if you're lucky, you have a hit, but you know, now it's all streaming. And, and uh, my understanding is, you know, it's hard to trace all those revenue streams. How, how many people are watching something, you know, yes. that is so a- everybody's nervous and they're, you know, everybody's trying to get a piece of that pie. And, and uh, you know, obviously the people who own the pie, you know, aren't that <laughs> willing to get, that, you know, but hopefully it'll come together because, again, it's there's a ripple effect. You know, it's hitting restaurants. It's hitting, mm-hmm. yes. you know, the below the line people, you know, yeah. uh, an actor making, you know, 20 million a movie. He can he can go to the south of France for a couple of months. But somebody, you know, trying to pay a mortgage and 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 put their kids through school. It's tough. Yeah. Well, yeah. most act- and most actors are not making 20 million. No, it's only no, the big it's stars. Like the one, you know, yeah, and like you say, yeah. And yeah. then it's everybody else, like you were saying, the restaurateurs, the caterers, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah the drivers, thing. you know. I mean, yeah. a movie employs tons and tons of people. I, I can just, I can tell you one other thing. Uh, one of the great things about being a writer-producer at HBO is I used to do junkets, movie junkets. And the only time I was nervous was when I, I interviewed Sean Connery. And it was for a movie called Playing by Heart. Oh, okay. And, yeah. uh, you know, you have your five minutes with him and... Uh, I couldn't ask him any bond questions, but, uh, he, you know, yeah, he was, he, I wouldn't, he was a little standoffish. And then at the very end of the interview, you know, my mother was a librarian and I said, if you ever come across anything unusual, save it for me. And she had these two books from the 1950s on golf. And so at the end of the interview, I said, Mr. Connery, I want to give you these. And he just lit up. He shook my hand. He was, fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, I remember I got up and the cameraman, there goes, you got anything for me? <laughs> <laughs> Is your name Sean Connery? <laughs> oh, my God, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, one other thing. we, uh, we I had a great friend at the New York Times, and uh, she got us into the green room when he was getting a uh, Lifetime Achievement Award at Lincoln Center. Uh-huh. So I went up to him, and I, I you know, I, I practically hugged him, and I, oh, I love your work. It means so much, blah, blah. I said, could my wife take a photo? Of course. And then... <laughs> He was surrounded by paparazzi and she was in the back going, I, I can't do it. And he picked up on it and he, he went like this and they parted like the Red Sea. And wow. she took the photo and Connery looks at me and goes, your flash didn't go off. <laughs> so, so to this day, whenever we take photos, we go, your flash didn't go off. That's a good story. Oh, That's, man. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice that he did that, though. Part yeah, of the rest okay. of You know, he knew. He, you know, he's a pro for that many years. He he, he gets it. Yeah. Yep. Gets Absolutely. It. Yeah. I was going to ask you me. one last uh, Bond question. Sure. Would you like to work on a James Bond movie now? And would you if you were asked? Uh, yes, I would. But uh, I could imagine the pressure. 
I mean, Area 5150 doesn't have a quarter, probably a hundredth of, of a bond budget. And there's a lot of, I couldn't imagine, you know, doing a $150, $200 million movie. But yeah. absolutely, I, if they needed somebody to polish the cars in the parking lot, I would do it. <laughs> <laughs> Tom great. and I got an opportunity to do that with the Ian Fleming Foundation, actually. They were the ones who collect the, the vehicles. Mm-hmm, sure. And we yeah. know, uh, you know, Doug Rodinius and, yes. and some of the folks from that. And we got invited yeah. to one of their work weekends. And Tom and I did polish one of the cars. <laughs> oh, wow. From one yeah, of the movies. Yeah. We couldn't do restorations, but we could put a coat of wax on. Yeah. So we've yeah. done a bunch of no. little videos for them as well, too. So uh, mm-hmm. they're a great they organization. Had, they had the uh, Bond in Motion out here. Yes. Yep. Yes. And Doug, Doug invited me to the load-in. And let me tell you, just seeing those vehicles up close and yeah. I actually get to sit in the Aston Martin for two minutes. And, and yeah, it's just, yeah. you know, your mind just takes you right back to those films. I know. And, I know. Uh, They've got the helicopter from, from Russia with love and the Jaguar. <laughs> oh, it was like, uh, yeah, it was fun. We got the, can I tell you a helicopter story? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a huge bond collector. I have been since, you know, I was a teenager and, uh, I had the opportunity and you only live twice is probably one of my favorite movies. So somebody had one of the model helicopters from you only live twice for sale okay. and, uh, with sight unseen. Yes, yes. I'll buy it. And I thought, Oh, it's, it's going to be this big. Mm-hmm. I'll put it on a desk. I'll look at it. The thing comes, it's six feet long <laughs> in, in a box, like a coffin. And I remember the truck pulls up and we were living back East. And I said, put it in the basement. And I didn't even tell my wife for a while. <laughs> when she saw it, she hit the roof. Yeah. Now, that's the last time I ever buy a six foot helicopter from a Bond film. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Did you ever uh, assemble it? And, yeah. Oh, it was, it can't, it was built, oh, it, it was, was built. together. It was, oh. it was the one that little Nelly shoots. Well, he shoots them all down, but, yeah. but it's the one that was burned and you see a crash. So yeah. it, mm-hmm. part of it was covered in flames and, you know, <laughs> Not a doubt in my mind that it was a real thing, but, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, back then they didn't have the technology they have today. So right, right. You know, it was big. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Miniatures, miniatures take on a different form. When yeah. So around. it's cool to have uh, artifacts from the actual movie though. I oh, mean, yeah. that's, that is cool. Yeah. Do you have uh, others pieces like that? I, I have, I have some of the, 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 uh, fighting stars from that film. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I got one of the spearheads from Thunderball. They made a, a bunch of uh, balsa wood ones. Yeah, I have yeah. one of those. Yeah, that's cool. You know. Very nice. Uh, it's too bad, you know. Back then, you go you go after the film crew and you could scoop everything up. Yeah, you know, not but, anymore. Yeah. Huh? No, not anymore. Well, that's the thing. People sell them, and yeah. that you know. You know the Kingsman series. Yeah. So Poppy's Diner. Mm-hmm. A crew member took that home, and made it a real diner. Wow! So very understanding wife. It's yeah, like. yes, yeah. and, and and it was like they were like, well, we're just going to get rid of it. So he's like, yeah. can I take it? Yeah, sure. I, uh, I shot some network ID spots for Cinemax uh, in some of the old Times Square movie palaces before they knocked them down. And I remember the last day I brought a duffel bag and I filled it up with stuff because they were going to. Yeah, it was all going to get destroyed. I, I got a beautiful brass projector lens. Oh, wow. You know, can you imagine the porno films that went through wow. that? Yeah, really? <laughs> uh, you know, just the little statues and things. Unfortunately, I opened this door and it was wall to wall cardboard standees 
from movies, but they were drenched. You know, they were oh, worthless. No. They had mildew oh. and stuff on them. Oh. But yeah, yeah, it's fun collecting. It's yeah, uh, yep. yeah absolutely. It's a thrill to have that stuff. Yeah, yeah, but the more you know, the more you get into it, the more kind of obsessive you get. You know, yeah, the more room <laughs> so it I takes. I have the half sheet. I need the one sheet, and I need mm-hmm. the insert. You know, before <laughs> you know it, why can't I pay my mortgage this month? What happened? <laughs> yeah, and it takes a lot of space. It's great when you can do it. I, I collect autographs, uh, historical autographs and stuff, but mm-hmm. I only get so much wall space allocated. <laughs> That's the problem. You have to buy a warehouse to in yeah. order to. Well, to I picked enjoy up something it, yeah. a couple of years ago. A guy that had worked at United Artists in the '60s, he was given a uh, what do you call it? Like a proof copy of the Only Live Twice poster. Oh, an artist wow. proof, like an the artist proof. proof. Oh like my god! Was, it, oh my god! And he, I said, "How do you still have this?" He goes, "It's been in my garage for 55 <laughs> years. I forgot I had it." You know, my wow. kids don't want it. I'm like, well, good news for me. <laughs> no. Oh, man. We, yeah. I, I think I can find somebody that would want it. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Well, I was, I was petrified he put it on eBay and then I'd never be able to afford it. So I, I made him a decent offer. That's terrific. All right. That's cool. All right. This has been great. Yeah. All right. All right, that's a wrap. Thanks, Mark. We want to thank you for joining us today. It's cool to find out how these documentaries are made and your involvement with them. We hope Area 5150 is a huge success for you. Thanks again. We appreciate it. Thank Thank you, you, guys. This was great. All right, this has been Dan. And Tom. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com and our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Please subscribe to our show. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it.